everybody and welcome to the Agios Dose. My name is Bill Dykstra. Today is June 25th and today we commemorate Saint Fabronia. So remember how I said the other day that I'm having difficulty getting mileage out of the Diocletian persecution having done so many episodes on so many martyrs who died during it. Well for today that is not the case. The story of Saint Fabronia is certainly heroic However, it is difficult to hear. Her story is written by a fellow nun by the name of Theus. When I read it, it reminded me of the stories of the Canadian martyrs and the Jesuit relations. There were, at the time, sort of a hagiographical style um, while writing the stories of Brebeuf and Isaac Jogues, and it veered away from kind of like the mystical apparitions of hagiography, though they are still present in their stories and it focused on the drama of their tortures. The story of St. Fabronia, though she died much earlier than the Canadian martyrs, is told in a like manner. In this story, there are a number of characters to keep in your mind. A few of them are Lysimachus, Primus, and Selenos. Selenos is the uncle of Lysimachus. Selenos' brother, Lysimachus' father, Enthymos, on his deathbed, had placed Lysimachus under the direction of his uncle, Selenos. Lysimachus was to be married in a week's time. However, the emperor Diocletian placed the men in charge with the persecution of Christians in Mesopotamia. Diocletian made it clear that after the land was purged of Christians, the wedding festivities could commence. They accepted. However, the two men, Lysimachus and Primus, had compassion for the Christians. Lysimachus' mother had been a Christian, so they confided that, behind the back of Selenos, they would send word ahead of themselves that the Roman armies were advancing, giving the Christians in the regions they were advancing upon ample time to hide. In one such town, Nisibis, In modern-day Turkey, there was a convent. The master of the convent was a woman by the name of Brienne. Along with being a sort of a mother superior, she housed a young woman by the name of Fabronia. Here is how Theus introduces Fabronia. Fabronia was the daughter of Brienne's brother, and she was of extremely handsome appearance. Her face and features were so beautiful that the eye could never be sated upon gazing her. Her great beauty meant that Brienne had a hard task looking after the girl, and for this reason she ordered Fabronia to take food only once every other day, whereas all the other sisters would eat each evening. Fabronia, on seeing herself restricted to such a regime, did not even satisfy her appetite with bread and water. She had a stool on which she would rest when the time to sleep came. It measured three and a half cubits by one. Sometimes she would throw herself down on the ground, neglecting her body in order to subdue it. When she happened to be tempted by the devil by hallucinations at night, she would get up straight away and beseech God amid abundant tears to remove the tempter Satan from her. Then she would open the Bible and lovingly meditate on its living and spiritual words. 
She also had a great love of learning, so that many people, including the abbess, were astonished at the extent of her knowledge. She never saw any worldly finery, and did not know what a man's face looked like, but she was the subject of much talk throughout the entire town. People spoke of her learning, beauty, humility, and gentleness. So, basically, what we are going to learn again and again in this story is that, one, Fabronia is super good-looking, and two, she's way holier than she is beautiful. Now, as the Romans were approaching, this caused some division in the convent. A nun named Etheria suggested that they all run for the hills. However, the mother of the community, Brienne, confided to stay. Etheria challenged her position, suggesting that the only reason she wished to stay was so, she the con- so that she could continue to hide Fabronia from the outside world. She said, There is a danger that we might deny Christ, unable to endure the pain of torture. In that case, we would become a laughingstock for the demons, and we would lose our own souls. If, however, you give us the word to save our lives, we will take with us Fabronia as well, and we will take flight. When Fabronia heard these words, she exclaimed, As Christ lives, the Christ to whom I have been betrothed and to whom I have offered up myself, I will not resort to flight, but let whatever God wills take place. Brienne said, Etheria, you know what you have earned. I forgive you for this. Then she turned to the other sisters. Each of you knows what is best for herself. Choose what you want. Once they had prayed and said farewell to Brienne and Fabronia, they all left the convent out of fear, beating their breaths in great sorrow and tears. So the rest of the sisters, they left the convent for safety. But Brienne did not end in fearing for Fabronia, and she gives her these words of guidance. Remember how you followed my instruction. Remember that you too taught others. Remember that when you were two years old, I received you from your nurse into my hands. Up to the present moment, no man has set eyes upon your face, and I have not allowed laywomen to talk to you. Up to this very day, have I preserved you, my daughter, as you yourself are much aware. But now, my daughter, what can I do with you? Do not disgrace Brienne's old age. Do not do anything that will render profitless the work of your spiritual mother. Remember the wrestlers who went before you, who underwent a glorious martyrdom, receiving a crown of victory from the heavenly ringmaster of the fight. These people were not just men, but they include women and children as well. Remember the glorious martyrs of Luby and Leonida. Luby was crowned at her death by the sword, Leonida by burning. Remember the girl, Euthropia, who at the age of twelve was martyred along with her mother for the sake of the Lord's name. Weren't you always amazed and filled with wonder at Euthropia's submissiveness and endurance? When the judge gave orders that arrows be shot in her direction in order to make her run away frightened by the arrows, she heard her mother call out, Don't run away, Euthropia, my daughter. And clasping her hand behind her back, she did not run away. Instead, she was hit by an arrow and fell down dead on the ground. 
she showed complete obedience to her mother's command. Was it not her perseverance and obedience that you always admired? She was just an unschooled girl, whereas you have actually been teaching others. So Lysimachus and Primus eventually came to town, and they were told of the convent that had a few remaining nuns left in it. He came out to the monastery and questioned Mother Brienne why she had not already left. He begged her, before anyone else find, found out, that she should leave. At the same time, Primus had seen Fabronia and how beautiful she was. Primus then makes a suggestion to Lysimachus that she would make an amazing bride. However, Lysimachus tells Primus to hide the sisters. Yet, a Roman officer made his way to Selenos and informs him of the three sisters who are still in the convent and that Lysimachus and Primus are hiding them. In complete anger, Selenos demands that Fabronia be arrested and that there be a public trial for her on the following day. As the guards came to arrest Fabronia, Brienne had these words for her. My daughter Fabronia, you are going off to the contest. Remember that the heavenly bridegroom is watching this contest of yours, and the host of angels are standing there before him carrying the crown of victory as they wait for your end. See that you are not frightened by the tortures. That would give pleasure to the devil. Do not pity your body when it is collapsing under blows, for this body, whether it likes it or not, will shortly disintegrate and become dust in the tomb. I will stay in the convent in mourning, as I await the arrival of news about you, whether for good or for bad. I beg you, my daughter, let it be good news I hear of you. Let someone tell me, Fabronia has yielded up her soul in the tortures. Let someone announce to me, Fabronia has met her end and is reckoned amongst the martyrs of Christ. Fabronia said, I have faith in God, Mother, just as in the past I have never transgressed your commandments, so now I will not do so or be neglectful of your admonitions. Rather, let the people see and be astonished. Let them congratulate the aged Brienne and say, Truly, this is a plant belonging to Brienne. In a woman's body I will manifest a man's valiant conviction. Let me go off now. From here the trial commences, and the following exchange takes place between Fabronia, Lysimachus, and Selenos. Lysimachus addressed her, Tell me, young girl, what are you, slave or freeborn? Fabronia replied, Slave. Whose slave are you then? asked Lysimachus. Christ's, said Fabronia. What is your name? asked Lysimachus. The poor Christian woman, replied Fabronia. It is your name I want to know, said Lysimachus. I have already told you, replied Fabronia, the poor Christian woman. But if you want to know my name, then I am called Fabronia by my mistress. At that point, Selenos told Lysimachus to stop asking the questions, and he himself began to interrogate Fabronia. The gods know very well that I had not wanted to give you the chance of being questioned. Nevertheless, your gentle and meek disposition and your beautiful good looks have overcome the force of my anger against you. I am not going to question you as though you were guilty, but instead I will urge you as though you were my own beloved daughter. 
So listen to me, my daughter. The gods are aware that I and my brother Anthimenos have arranged the betrothal of a wife for Lysimachus, involving the transfer of a great deal of money and property. Today, however, I will annul the betrothal documents we made with the daughter of Prosphorus, and we will make him and we will make a firm agreement with you, and you shall be the wife of Lysimachus, whom you can see sitting here now at my right. He is very handsome, just as you are. So listen to my advice as though I were your father. I will make you glorious upon the earth. Have no fears on the grounds that you are poor. I have no wife alive or any children, and I will make over to you all that I possess. I will make you mistress of everything I have, and you shall have all that is written down in your diary." You shall recognize the Lord Lysimachus as your husband, and I shall take on the role of your father. You shall be the object of praise throughout the world, and all women will count you happy for having attained to such honor. Our victorious emperor will also be pleased, and he will shower the pair of you with presents. For he has given his promise to raise my Lord Lysimachus to the exalted throne of the glorious eparch, and he will take on that office. To this, Fibronia replied, and what a reply. O judge, I have a marriage chamber in heaven, not made with hands, and a wedding feast that will never come to an end has been prepared for me. I have as my dowry the entire kingdom of heaven, and my bridegroom is immortal, incorruptible, and unchangeable. I shall enjoy him in eternal life. I will not even entertain the idea of living with a mortal husband who is subject to corruption. Do not waste your time, sir. You will not achieve anything by coaxing me, nor will you frighten me by threats. This enraged Selenos, and he had her publicly stripped down to rags. Selenos asked her, What have you got to say, Fabronia? Do you see what a good opportunity you have lost? Do you see what ignominy you have been reduced? Listen, judge, Fabronia replied. Even if you should have me stripped completely naked, I would not think anything of this nakedness, for there is but one creator of males and of females. In fact, I am not just expecting to be stripped naked from my clothes, but I am prepared for the tortures of fire and sword should I be considered worthy to suffer for him who suffered on my behalf. You impudent woman, exclaimed Selenos, you deserve every kind of disgrace. I know very well that you are proud of your shapely features and that this is why you do not think it is a shame or disgrace to stand there with your body naked. You even imagine it adds to your splendor. Fabronia replied, Listen, judge, my lord God knows that I have never seen a man's face up to this very moment, and just because I have fallen into your hands, I am called a shameless and impudent woman. You stupid and imperceptive man! What athlete entering the contest to fight at Olympia engages in battle wrapped up in all of his clothes? Doesn't he enter the arena naked until he has conquered his adversary? I am waiting in expectancy for tortures and burning by fire. How could I do battle with these while I have my clothes on? 
Should I not meet torture with a naked body until I have vanquished your father Satan, throwing scorn upon all your threats of tortures? Obviously, this enraged Selenos even further. Selenos then had her whipped until everyone believed that she was dead. However, with some life left, she asked for some water. It is at this point where a pagan woman, Hyera, a wife of a Roman senator, admonished Selenos for his cruelty. You see, Hyera, Hyeria, had been interested in Christianity and was being taught the gospel by Fabronia at the time. Selenos nearly had Hyeria killed as well, but was advised that killing a Roman citizen would be the cause of his own death. Therefore, he took his anger again against Fabronia. Selenos gave orders. Stretch her out on a plank and comb her flanks with iron nails, then apply fire until you burn her very bones. When the soldiers had done as they were ordered, they began combing her with nails until bloody strips of her flesh fell down onto the ground. Then they applied the fire and burnt her sides. Fabronia kept her eyes towards heaven, saying, Come to my help, Lord. Do not desert me at this hour. Having said this, she fell silent, severely burnt by the fire. Even after this, there was an order that they should cut out her tongue, to which she stuck her tongue out. However, the order then was changed to have her teeth pulled out instead. Selenos then began speaking to Fabronia again. What have you got to say, Fabronia? Will you obey the judiciary now? Will you acknowledge the gods? Fabronia replied, May you be under a curse, you ill-fated and accursed man, for you are holding up my journey by not letting me go straight to my betrothed. Hurry up and remove me from the mire of this body, for my lover is watching and waiting for me. Selenos said, I will destroy your body little by little in the fire and with the sword. I am aware that so far the courage of your youthfulness has helped on your impudence, but you have got nothing to gain by this, for your pride has ensured that much worse things will come upon you. Fabronia was unable to reply because of the severe pain. This merely made the judge Selenos even angrier, and he gave instructions to the doctor. Let those members of the impudent girl's body that provide milk be cut off and thrown to the ground. The doctor, straight away, took a surgeon's knife and approached Fabronia. I don't need to tell you what happens next. Regardless, the entire crowd is disgusted with Selenos. And Hyera again speaks up against him. You are an enemy to the equilibrium of human nature. Are you not satisfied with the terrible things that you have already brought upon this wretched girl? Are you not reminded of your own mother, who had the same body and wore the same sort of clothes as her? Are you not mindful of the ill-fated day when you were born, how you too received nourishment at those breasts flowing with milk? I am amazed that your savage and merciless heart has not been touched by such things. May the heavenly king not spare you, just as you have not spared this poor girl. As if everything you've heard had been bad enough. Because of the words of Hyeria, Selenos had Fabronia's feet and hands cut off. 
And after all of this and seeing that Fabroni was still stubbornly alive, he finally gave the order that her head be cut off. Everyone, Lysimachus, Primus, Hyeria, the sisters, and the crowd of onlookers were all disgusted with Selenos. And as it turns out, so was Selenos disgusted with himself. When his uncle Selenos learnt that Lysimachus was so distressed, he too could not eat or drink, but got up and took a stroll in the courtyard of the Praetorian. He too was overcome by a painful depression, when all of a sudden, as he was walking, he looked up at the sky, stood there, dazed for a while, and then, roaring like a bull, he leapt up and struck his head against one of the columns, whereupon he fell dead. From here, Lysimachus gave the order that Fabronia be buried with respect, and that no Christian should be afraid to take part in the burial. Both himself and Primus and Hiera converted to Christianity. Now, even after Fabronia's death surrounding the events of her burial, some really interesting things happened. But I will leave that for you to read. I'll leave a link to the in the show notes for the rest of the story, and you can read it in full on your own time. Yet again, and I should caution you, as though you haven't been cautioned enough, this story is not for the faint of heart. Thank you very much for listening. This has been your Daily Dose of Agios. Saint Fabronia, pray for us. Thank you.